0: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another, uh, a little bit negative episode of New News. Since we were last with you, uh, (laughs) it's been another tough week. So the Cardinals split the series at home in Kansas City. Uh, The second win was a really good one, a two-to-one victory where Michaelis went eight scoreless innings and the bullpen almost blew it, but didn't. That was followed by two off days, which we felt would be a great chance for the Cardinals to reset, rest that bullpen. Um, but uh, those two off days were followed with a weekend sweep at the hands of the Pirates. The Cardinals, after winning two to one in uh, against Kansas City at home, went on the road and lost seven five four three, and then two to one today. Suffice to say, it was not a very fun week to be a Cards fan. And this follows up, you know, a lot of struggle lately. The Cardinals have now lost six of their last eight games. Um, of those six losses, five have been close losses meaning three runs or less one was that two run game the other day and four have been one run losses dating back to the Cleveland series where the Cardinals also lost two games by one run it's definitely been very very tough so far Andrew were there any interesting things you noticed in the last couple games that you want to start with
1: I mean I was pretty confident going into um the first game that we were going to win I think um it was five nothing at one point, and then five one. Yeah, and then I, I I stopped watching the game. I went to go watch a movie at that time. Um, so I came out of that movie. I was like, wait, we lost the game. And yeah, um, Giovanni Gallegos, who has been sharp all year, blows the yeah. game, gives up I think six runs, five runs in one inning.
0: Yeah, Palante came in had a Palante let a few on, and then Gio came in. So some of the runs were charged to Belante, but with two outs, they were they were Gio's fault.
1: Yeah, it's just not not great out of uh, who you expect to be your closer now. I think Gallegos has overtaken Helsley in that fact. Probably not anymore. I don't know what's going on with the bullpen. I think the Cardinals have blown fifty percent of their save opportunities this season, which is really not what you want to see um, when you go into the season with an All Star closer and another really solid setup man. So, yeah bullpen definitely needs to needs to be looked at and then yesterday um again a classic cardinals loss uh i think we're up one nothing and then the pirates tied a game one one and then Nolan one makes an error and guess what happens the pirates score three times and the cardinals lose four to three so if Nolan one doesn't make that error the cardinals win the game that's unfortunate yeah
0: and i i saw an interesting stat about that recently the Cardinals shockingly are averaging more than one unearned run per error made. No other team has a positive ratio in that department, but the Cardinals are like 1.6. So every error the Cardinals make generally accounts for about 1.6 runs scored by the opponent, which is wild. I mean, that just, that shouldn't be possible. (laughs) I mean, especially 60 games into the year, you know, this isn't small sample size, two weeks anymore. We're talking 60 games. This is my cutoff. This is when I said, I expected things to turn by, and they're 25 and 35. So things really haven't turned. Um, It's definitely hard to be bought in on this team right now. And I think, um, obviously, I'm not just going to sell all my stock in the Cardinals. I still like the talent. But I think at the end of the day, this team is less than the sum of its parts. And that's that's really disappointing, coming from an organization like the Cardinals that you expect to be – you know, you expect them to to be able to put things together in the right order and to maximize what they have. And I don't think they've done that. More on that later. Um, but we're going to talk about some recent roster moves that have been made by the front office uh, to address what's been another tough stretch for the Cardinals. Coming out of that Dodger series, there was a lot of optimism. And since then, it has been tough. The front office countered by DFAing Trace Pereira the other day, which I think a lot of us saw that coming. It was about time. Good move. Good move. Uh, And they pulled up Luke and Baker. So they had to clear a 40-minute spot for him by getting rid of Barrera. That's why Barrera couldn't just be sent down. He needed to be DFA'd. That allowed Baker to be added. And then he was called up today, or, or yesterday, I guess, last night. And he started today, and he collected two hits. Very good debut for Baker, who's had an excellent season so far in the minors. Andrew, what can you tell us about what Baker's done at Memphis this year?
1: Yeah, Baker, I believe, leads all minor league players this year in home runs. So he hits ball out of the ballpark, has a couple of holes in his swing. I think the major leaguers uh, are going to exploit that a little bit more. I don't don't expect him to hit however many home runs he hit in, in Memphis this year, uh, up with the big club. I think he's definitely more of a bench bat DH kind of player. Um, we're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, so. He could, I think, earn his way into into a roster spot, but uh, I don't expect him to s- stick around for for very long. Um, mm. so but i do I do like what he's what he's done so far,
0: yeah, so Baker is twenty six right now. I remember when the Cardinals took him a couple or we we like got him from Houston or something like that. No the Houston took him in one draft and we took him in the next. We took him in the second round back in twenty eighteen. Uh, I remember when they took him, he came out of TCU, I think, and he had a couple of big injuries early in his career. He had a hairline fracture somewhere, I believe it was in his back. So that was a really scary injury, and that really delayed his progress. And going into last year, it felt like a make-or-break season for him. He didn't have a great year, and he kind of turned into a non-prospect. So he was someone who I really didn't expect to hear much from moving forward um so the season he's had has been really fun because at 26 years old lucan baker has turned himself into someone into another prospect again you know he's completely redefined himself as a player uh he has the ability now it seems to absolutely crush the ball he's been great there was that video that surfaced recently of him hitting a broken bat home run which i mean that requires pretty tremendous power so he's been a lot of fun this year good for him i'm really glad he's getting this shot to be honest He was turning into someone who I thought would probably never make the bigs. So this is really cool, but it feels a lot like Moises Gomez last year. And Andrew's absolutely right. Uh, Definitely has some holes in his swing and might or might not be a productive bat at the big league level. Only time will tell. The second and much bigger roster move the Cardinals made this weekend was promoting Jordan Walker for the second time. So he rejoined the big league club ahead of the Pittsburgh series, started all three games and the early results weren't fantastic. I believe Jordan Walker only collected one hit this series. Uh, He went one for five the other day. I don't think he did anything yesterday, and today he was 0 for 4, if I'm correct. It's been tough. Jordan Walker seems to be struggling in the same ways he was struggling early in the season. He's hitting the ball hard, but he's constantly putting it on the ground. He's not striking out a lot, but he's not elevating, and he's not tapping into his big-time power. Andrew, did you really see much of Jordan Walker this weekend? He definitely had a quiet series.
1: Yeah, he had that hit um, in the ninth inning yesterday off Bednar. It was a a very sharply hit ground ball past a Mm. diving shortstop. So um, we definitely want to see more line drives out of Jordan Walker. You look at his baseball savannah page, and his exit velocities are all really, really high. But his OPS of 673 is definitely not indicative um, of those skills. If he starts elevating the ball and hit line drives, fly balls, He'll be a really productive player, but he just hasn't been able to do that. And sending him down, I don't think really helped that much. Um, I'm more concerned yeah. with the fact that um, the corresponding move is putting Lars Newbar on the IL. Now you yeah. have Tommy Edmund in center field. You have infielders in the outfield, mm. um, which is not what you want to see really ever. I think Tommy Edmund has been fine, but you know, he's not, he's not a natural outfielder, let alone a center fielder. So I don't, I don't really know. Um, how long that's going to last really concerning and I hope Lars is back um, as soon as he's eligible I think after the the series against Texas so hope to see him back in center very soon
0: yeah it's definitely not ideal to have Edmund in center because he's what plan five (laughs) I mean you wanted O'Neill to start and he's hurt you wanted Carlson to be the next guy up in center field he's hurt O'Neal's been shut down Carlson's early in his rehab, so it's still going to be a while for him, presumably. Now Newt's down, and he's on the 10-day IL, which is not ideal. He's not eligible to return, I think, till June 9th, mm-hmm. so definitely after the Texas series. And now you're talking about Tommy Edmond being out there instead of Mercado because Mercado can't hit, and it's not what you want to see. No one wanted to see Tommy Edmond in center field. Um, I think if you told me before the season that Edmund would be playing center field by June 1st, I would have thought this would be a very bad season and I would have been right. <laughs> this has been a very underwhelming season from the Cardinals. And this is just another example of how things definitely aren't going to plan. I think the biggest thing that's not going to plan though, is the offense right now. The offense as a whole. This offense is underwhelming right now, which is really disappointing because it's supposed to be the strength of this team. And when the offense was producing early in May, the team was winning a lot of ball games. But since the Dodgers series, the Cardinals have not been able to score. In the Cleveland series, I believe they scored, they averaged about three runs a game, maybe, maybe less, maybe two and a half. Um, then they only scored two runs in the two games against Kansas City. And then in the Pittsburgh series, they scored nine runs for the whole series. So the Cardinals have been averaging about, you know, two and a half runs a game over their last 12 games, which is just not going to get the job. It's definitely been disappointing. Um, and I think it lends itself to the fact that the Cardinals are not maximizing the players they have right now. How does an offense that has Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan to two MVP, perennial MVP candidates, in my opinion, future Hall of Famers, how does that offense, and you add an all-star player like Wilson Contreras, you bring up Nolan Gorman, who's breaking out and having a great year, you're getting contributions from guys. Donovan is a good offensive player. He's a productive hitter, and he's had a fine year. You know, Lars Newbar was having a really good year before he went down. How does this offense not score? I don't understand. Andrew, do you have anything to kind of explain this to me?
1: I mean, it's the same story. It's been all season. Runners in scoring position. If you don't get mm. the big hits, then then you're never really going to get the big hits. Uh, we hit a lot of home runs, again, this this series. Uh, I think they were all solo shots. Uh so that doesn't really help you that much. You just get one run for each home run. Is that Cleveland game where we had three home runs um in an inning? Yeah, the solo shots lose the game four-three. I mean, it, it kind That's of speaks for crazy. itself. Um some approach needs to be changed um hitting wise. I don't know if if yeah. maybe we shouldn't have fired Jeff Albert. Maybe maybe that was that was the key. I don't really want to say that because I was a big proponent of uh, of getting rid of him and his hit, hitting philosophy. So yeah. I really couldn't tell you what it is because these hitters have... Arenado's underperformed a little bit, Conqueros has underperformed a little bit, but the runners in scoring position, like the, this team just goes away. Um, and I don't know if that's like a mentality issue. We'll talk about Ollie later in his management. Um, but if you can't hit with runners in scoring position, then it doesn't really matter if you can hit. Like you might as yeah. just not have runners in scoring position, so um it doesn't doesn't really matter either way.
0: yeah, this week uh in the five games the Cardinals played in which they went one and four, they went three for thirty one with runners in scoring position. so it's not like the chances weren't there. The Cardinals averaged six at bats per game with runners in scoring position. They had plenty of chances with ducks on the pond to make something happen, and they couldn't uh the Cardinals loaded the bases three times in game one of the series and didn't score in any of those instances. I mean, the Cardinals got 20, 20 plate appearances, or 20 at-bats, sorry, this series with runners in scoring position, and they converted in exactly three. They went 0 for 9 in the Royals series, for reference, or 0 for 10, which is just awful. But you can't do that. You just can't do that. You can't load the bases and not score. You can't put a runner on third with nobody out like they did the other day and not score. Burleson hits that double gets to third on a wild pitch, and then they don't score. You just, you have to come up big in the moments that matter because the margin in baseball is so thin. The margin is one error from Nolan Arenado, and that scores three runs and it's over, you know? And and that's why the Cardinals lose. They just can't get it done when it matters most, and it's beyond frustrating for fans. But Andrew, you're absolutely right. It is the same story. The Cardinals today, in the first five innings, Put the leadoff man on. And putting the leadoff man on, for those of you that aren't familiar, is a huge deal. It increases your chances of scoring significantly. Not only did they put the leadoff man on, they had all sorts of traffic. They left six men on in the first three innings of the game. So, <laughs> an average of two left on per inning, and they just couldn't get the big hit. And it resulted in a day in which the Cardinals went, I believe, 0 for 7 or 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. You just can't do that. You just can't do that. And then, of course, Andrew Kisner's home run came with nobody on uh, one of the only innings in which the leadoff man didn't reach today. The Cardinals put a runner on uh, in eight of the nine innings today. The Pirates only pitched one clean inning. I mean, it's just not going to get the job done. It's not going to get the job done when you can only do half the job. And that's where the Cardinals seem to be right now. And that's why I say this team is less than the sum of its parts. You have multiple elite hitters, but they can't seem to be elite together. They can't seem to be elite at the same time. And I don't know what that's about, but I do know there's one person tasked with getting the most out of this roster, and that's the manager, and that's Ali Marmol, which leads us into our next little discussion here. The Fire Marmol crowd hasn't convinced me, hasn't won me over. I'm not going to be banging on my, you know, banging my spoon on my high chair saying Fire Ali. Ali. But they're starting to get to me. You look at last year when the Cardinals performed really well in close games, uh, and they always mentioned the brain trust they had in the dugout. Skip Schumacher and Ali Marmol were the two main members of that brain trust. You look at Skip Schumacher this year with the Marlins, I believe they're 15-1 and one in one-run games. And you look at the Cardinals who, with the loss today, I think fell to like 4-15 and 15 or 5-16 and 16 or something like that. Terrible. I don't know. Maybe I discounted how much Skip played into the decision-making last year. Maybe it's small sample size. I mean, again, 20 games isn't that big. It's not that unusual for a team to lose a lot of one-run games. But it's certainly frustrating, and it's certainly frustrating in the way it happens. The Cardinals have chances, and they don't take advantage of it. They have players that make mistakes. They have a clubhouse that doesn't seem to be behind Ali. I don't know if the players are playing for him. I don't know if they're playing together as a team. I really wonder about the clubhouse culture. Andrew, what's your opinion on sort of the management situation?
1: I've been a pretty big supporter of Ollie ever since he got here. I was skeptical at first Mm -hmm. um, in the start of last season, but once he started yelling at a couple of umpires and seemed to really rally behind the team and man with passion that I haven't seen really ever, um, I, I was a big fan of him and I still think he's not the issue. Like the decisions he makes on a daily basis, it's really hard to argue with. Like, sure. I wasn't a big fan of Alec Burleson batting sixth against um, righties, but like, who else do you really have? Tyler O'Neill and Dylan yeah. Carlson are hurt. New bars on the aisle. You need someone to, someone to hit. And looking on the roster, do I prefer Alec Burleson or Juan Yepes or Oscar Mercado or Trace Barrera now? Like, there's really not a great option for your DH spot. Um, if Nolan Gorman's gonna be at second base, which it looks like he's getting a lot more time there. And yeah, I wasn't huge on him batting sixth with his 652 OPS, 79 OPS plus, but looking at his baseball savant page, the analytics are all there. Like he hits the ball hard, he doesn't strike out a lot, he chases, but yeah. he like fouls it off when he chases. So it's not really that big of a problem. And I mean. I think he'll he'll continue to improve. I was skeptical with Burleson at first, but looking at his his uh, peripheral numbers, it looks fine. Um, the bullpen managing. I mean, I wasn't huge on Jordan Hicks pitching a lot of innings at the start of the year, but he's really turned it around. Um, he hasn't.
0: Hicks has been one of the best relievers. I mean, Hicks's ERA is almost down to four even now. He had another great appearance today.
1: Yeah, his FIP is at three seven seven. It started off terrible. He was walking yeah. everyone, giving up home runs. Yeah. That's really not good for FIP. But yeah, like I don't really have an issue with Jordan Hicks pitching high leverage right now. You put Giovanni Gallegos in the game. I mean, that's probably what I would have done. Put him or Helsley in, and get, he gives up four runs. Like he, he's not really, yeah, he's not really making a bad call there. It's not like he's putting out Drew VerHagen or Chris Stratton in a high leverage situation or that I wouldn't necessarily trust. And they, they completely blow the game. That's not, that's not happening. Um, and you look at like the defensive alignments. Yeah. Tommy Edmonds in center, but what else are you going to do? Mercado can't hit. Um, you have to call up someone from the minors if you want to fill that center center field gap, make a trade or something, but like, that's fine. We're losing a lot of these games on one little error but the error is not committed by like Juan Yepes. It's usually it's it's like Tommy Edmund at second base or Nolan Arnauto at third. And those are yeah. gold lovers. Like you have to run them out there. So yeah, there's not really, I'm not really finding a hole. And if we're talking about strictly culture and the clubhouse culture, I don't know. The players seem happy. Uh, the veteran leader now on this team is Paul Goldschmidt. And to me, he seems like a guy who would play for nothing but his team. I don't think he cares about his numbers. I don't think he cares about his MVPs or whatnot. Like it doesn't matter to him. So he's setting a good example for the young guys.
0: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Issues. I'm of the opinion that managers impact the game, especially now with the DH rule. They impact the game very little. Yeah. Um, I agree. Lineup decisions. Marmals are fine i don't know he puts together some weird lineups every once in a while but that's the front office meddling and saying you need to give goldie and arenado days off more often so it happens um his bullpen decisions again sometimes they leave a little bit to be desired i remember plenty of times early in the year when i said why would you pitch jordan hicks here and then it blew up in his face or i said you know i don't understand steven matts getting as many opportunities as he's had might i just add i mean he was awful the other night can we just say he was genuinely terrible uh, against Pittsburgh. Black I don't think Matz is
1: allowed an earned run as a reliever.
0: No, but he's given up plenty of hard contact, and he looks bad. I don't like Matt's coming out of the I'm not a fan. I like Stratton a lot. Stratton's been really fun lately. But moving past that, I think the biggest thing is managers in this day and age need to be good at managing the players and the people within their clubhouse. And I just don't know how good a job Ollie does with that. And this goes all the way back to the O'Neill incident early in the year. I I just don't know how Ollie does with that. Again, I'm not in the clubhouse. I have no idea what it's actually like, but it seems to me that he's not contributing to a positive clubhouse culture. And I'm not going to sit here and say he needs to be fired today, but that crowd is starting to convince me. And I see a manager who I'm not sure is contributing to a winning culture. Meanwhile, this is something that the Cardinals always use as an excuse to not go out and get other players the reason they didn't sign stroman who's having a great year uh two years ago is because stroman wasn't the type of player the cardinals wanted in their clubhouse that was cited as a reason why they didn't go after machado and harper back in the day because they are kind of firecracker personalities and you know i understand the cardinals were probably never going to pony up that money in the first place but that was cited as another reason by a lot of people close to the team They said they don't want someone who might disrupt the very, very careful clubhouse culture they've put together. And in other years, we've seen that be a huge reason the Cardinals win games. The Cardinals have almost always overperformed. Every year they overperform because they put together a team that has all of the intangibles that you want. And this team just doesn't seem to have it. And I wonder, maybe that's, maybe Oli's part of that. And so that's why I'm starting to listen to those arguments. Again, I'm not on the fire Ollie bandwagon But it started to get to me a little bit, and I'm going to be paying closer attention, and I'm going to be looking as much as I can. I really hope this team turns it around, and I think they can. I think there are reasons for optimism. I think the starting rotation has been really good lately. There was another great start today. Michaelis went six innings and gave up two runs. That's exactly what he won, and in his last start, eight scoreless against Kansas City. That was awesome. You know, Monty had a really good start yesterday. He only gave up the one run. Um, and, you know, Flaherty was fantastic in the first game. Sure, he didn't go deep enough, but he only gave up one run. And that's exactly what you're looking for out of your starter, especially in 2023 when we have opens uh, the way we have them organized now and we have long men and people are so careful about workload. Five and two thirds is fine, especially when your starter only gives up the one run. The pitching has been good enough for the Cardinals to win ball games lately. It was good enough in Cleveland. It was good enough in Cincinnati, except for the last game. The Cardinals have been in all these and it's the offense. So I think the reason for optimism is this offense is going to come around. We've seen it come around already this year on the whole, the aggregate of the offense has been really, really good. And you know, it's a slump. It sucks. Contreras being like two for his last 35 really sucks. It's not what you want to see, but the pitching's been good, even though the bullpen has faltered a bit. The The starting pitching has been fantastic lately. I think that's a good reason for optimism. And I think the other reason for optimism is the state of the NL Central. Andrew, what can you tell us about that?
1: I mean, the NL Central is the same as it's always been, um, but it's starting to get a little concerning now. The Brewers and the Pirates are now tied for first at 31 and 27, four games above 500. We're 10 games below 500, and now we're seven games back. It's not insurmountable. Teams have done it yeah. before. We did it in 2021 with the wild card. Yeah, but man, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates—they're they're going into Oakland next week, which is not what you want to see. Um, and we're, we're facing Texas, so like I, I know the Pirates—we've said they're not real contenders. We just got swept by them, so yeah, can't really talk about that anymore. Um, and this was the easy part of our schedule: Kansas City. Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, like you just can't lose those games and we lost a lot of games there. Yeah. Um Texas has looked really really scary and we're going there tomorrow's official I hate David Freeze night by the way so if any Cardinal fans down in Dallas want to want to go and support David Freeze um please please do that it sounds like a lot of fun. Um But yeah, we still have a chance at this division. 7 games is not the end of the world. I think it's going to be seven and a half cuz the the Brewers are winning their game today against the Reds. Um it seems like but it's it's June 4th. Um and I think we had like a five-game deficit at some point last season ended with like a seven-game lead, so we're definitely we're definitely capable of doing that. What would you say was the was the impact of the culture last last season? Was it was it Albert? Was that what it was?
0: I don't know. I think Albert, Molina, Skip Schumacher. Yeah. I think a lot of those people contributed to a really positive clubhouse culture last year. And I think you saw a team that had a lot of fun, did a lot of winning, and, and had a lot of awesome, incredible moments. And it ended all too soon through Philadelphia. I hate them for it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It definitely was more fun than this team seems to be having right now, though. And I think that's a shame. But I like what you said. Again, it's June 4th. There's plenty of time. It's not like the Cardinals can't turn this around. It's not like they haven't turned stuff like this around in the past. Um, If it was a seven-game deficit with one month left to play, I'd be really worried. But we've got, you know, June, July, August, and September, four full months, about 100 games. There's plenty of time for the Cardinals to turn this around. But go time has been moved up. You know, if the Cardinals were 500 right now and they were two games back, They'd be fine. They'd have nothing to worry about. Go time would be August, like it usually is for this team. But now you need to start winning games, and you probably need to start winning really soon. We've seen other teams, though, reach this point. The Nationals were worse than this after 60 games in 2019, and they ended up winning the World Series. They had a really fun season. The Phillies were worse than this last year, and they ended up going all the way to the Fall Classic. The Braves were almost this bad in 2021, and they won it all. You've had plenty of teams start poorly, and go when it's time. And so the Cardinals need to go. They need to click it into high gear, and they need to get going. And and that's what has to happen. You have to start winning ball games, And that's why I'm less concerned now with the processes and more concerned with the outcomes. The processes this weekend in Pittsburgh were really good. You know, the starting pitching was really good. There was a ton of loud contact made by the Cardinals, plenty of hard-hit balls. The first inning today is a perfect example. Tommy Edmund leads off. It's a double into the gap. That's great. Paul Goldschmidt then hits a 101-mile-an-hour line out to center field. Nolan Gorman strikes out looking at a pitch outside the zone. That Shouldn't have been a strike. That was a great decision by him, to not swing at that pitch. And then Nolan Arenado, um hits a ball 100 miles an hour, and it's caught by the third baseman. Those, those are great individual things that all went wrong. And that ended in the Cardinals scoring zero runs in that first inning and then losing a game by one run. But at this point in time, when you're now 10 games below 500, you can no longer be concerned about the processes. And you now need to be concerned about the outcome, which is winning ballgames. And the outcome today was not a positive one. No matter how many good individual things happen, no matter how many good decisions were made by players, they didn't get the job done. And so that's why it's go time. The outcomes need to start being good, frankly. And And that's all I've got to say about it. It's definitely frustrating, but there's still optimism. The NL Central sucks, so.
1: Uh, I hope yeah. that's not the excuse of the deadline to not pick up a pitcher. That would be quite a shame. I know a guy who's a very, very positive clubhouse influence um, who might might be up for sale uh, if uh, a certain Los Angeles team starts to falter. And hey, maybe maybe they'll uh, if we throw in another prospect, they'll waive the the, the service
0: contract of Albert Pujols and he can come back. I don't know, Andrew. I'll make you a deal: if the Cardinals can get back to 500, I'll entertain as many Shohei discussions as you want. Yeah. I'll join in myself because I will start saying the Cardinals should trade for Shohei if they get back to 500 before the deadline.
1: Would you give up Mason Wynn if that meant um, they they waive Albert's contract,
0: I guess, to come back? If you don't have to pay for Shohei, if you, if you get Shohei long-term, sure. I'll trade Mason Wynn for Shohei Otani long-term, absolutely. I just don't know if the Cardinals will sign him long-term, which is why I don't want to trade for him. But if the Cardinals get back to 500, I'll entertain as many Shohei discussions as you want promise
1: well let's hope let's hope they do because i have some money on the line that if, if they don't <laughs> yeah unfortunate
0: well that's that's about all we've got for you today um the all-star ballot is out please go vote for lars Newfar. <laughs> it's the name of our podcast we're huge lars fans grind the pepper uh he's had a really good year his batted ball profile is awesome uh, he, he might be a better hitter than Shohei, according to a conversation Andrew and I had right before this episode. So please vote for Lars. He's played really good defense in the outfield this year. Uh, he definitely deserves a spot. It's unfortunate that he's hurt right now. Um, vote for as many Cardinals as you feel comfortable putting on the ballots. Uh, you know, please vote for Nolan Gorman, Paul Goldschmidt, maybe Arnato, if you feel it. At least he's been better than Machado, who really stinks this year. Um, So please get out there. You can vote up to five times a day on the MLB app. So do that as much as you can. I know Andrew and I have been doing everything we can to get our guys into the game. And then also, again, um, our merch is available. We've got some really great stuff up there. We've got a Mormon time shirt that just got approved. Uh, So please go pick that up if you can. Uh, We'd love to see new news gear around the ballpark. We're really excited about this. Um, So, yeah, that's about all. Please make sure to like, subscribe, share. Uh, comment down below, you know, tell your friends about us. Um, We're really excited to keep making this content and you guys make it possible. So thank you so much. If you have any questions, we're going to be meeting with Jeff Jones again soon. So please uh, comment that we'd love to bring your concerns directly to him, provide an avenue for you to talk to people who are around the team and hear all sorts of stuff like that. Um, But yeah, thanks again for tuning in guys. We'll see you soon. Everyone have a great week and enjoy another week of Cardinals baseball as painful as it might be.